Welcome to Boys in the 90s Podcast. I am Nate. And I'm Bob. And today, Bob, I want to play for you a little commercial. Hi, I'm Mark Paul Gosler. Oh, this is college years. The other kids. Not everyone takes it seriously. And that's why it's important for kids to participate in D.A.R.E., the drug abuse resistance education program that's taught in schools across the country. D.A.R.E. teaches kids how to say no to drugs, resist peer pressure, and build self-esteem. To find out how to start a D.A.R.E. program in your school, call 1-800-825-5532. Drugs are no laughing matter. You know what's funny is he's telling, he's saying he's a teenager, but that's obviously... Mark Paul Gosser from Saved by the Bell, the college years, right? Because he's got his, he has his grown up hair. And that also yes. made me think of, I'm not going to say his real name, but I believe we re referred to him as Officer Armadillo. <laughs> right. Yeah. We had a dare teacher that we uh, affectionately named Officer Armadillo. If I remember right, though, we, we had to go through the dare program twice. Maybe. Yeah. I think I remember doing dare twice. So they really wanted to pump that into our, our system there. <laughs> yes, and I believe there has been numerous research studies done since D.A.R.E. has phased out that it didn't work. Yeah. And I don't remember it building self-esteem. It was just like, don't do PCP. <laughs> like, you get real stay, messed away, up. stay away from the quaaludes. Like, I don't know if that actually happens in people's lives. Like, if it does, then I'm sorry. But it's like, I've never been approached by any weird man selling heroin out of a trench coat. No. I I, I haven't either. It's a very, very cold call kind of sale. <laughs> you know, it's like that. It's like that same stereotype of the dude in the trench coat. That's like, what are you looking for? And he opens one side and they're like fake Rolexes and he opens the other side right. and they're like something else. Right. And I, yeah, I, I don't know where those people are, but <laughs> so they're in somebody's imagination is where they are. <laughs> yeah. There's Scooby-Doo mystery. Um, well, today we want to talk about a bit about um, guilty pleasures. And Bob gave me this idea before we started this podcast about talking about what are the songs that are mm -hmm. sort of on the back burner that we don't necessarily talk about all the time, but we actually love, or maybe bands that we hate to admit that we love. Things I, you don't want advertised. Right. I was thinking um, along the lines of Tommy Boy. Okay. Are you... Are you talking about the scene with the Don't You Remember You Told Me You Love Me Baby? Yeah, yeah. That is Superstar by the Carpenters. Is it? Yes, it is. And I know this because hashtag fun fact about me. I love the Carpenters. Oh, okay. Here's a here's a 90s tie into that. Sonic Youth did a cover of that song. Yeah, yeah. I, I faintly remember that. Then they sing another one, the It Is Too, It yeah. Is Too. Yeah, they sing Come On Eileen, they sing It's the End of the World as We Know It, and Eris 2, which I've never heard Eris 2 before that movie, nor after, so I don't know. I no, don't... it's right up there with I've Never Been to Me that they play in Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so we were throwing this idea of guilty pleasures back and forth, because honestly, like we're pretty open about our likes and dislikes in music. We're sort of music snobs in a way, but we allow a lot of stuff flows through our life. And a lot like the movies that we watched, they had songs in them. We get different ideas from different areas. So that's kind of like what starts our guilty pleasures in life. So, well, and know, here's I, the thing, too. A catchy song is a catchy song. Yeah. Right. To our goth crowd, I mean, MTV pop may be guilty pleasures, but to like the pop 40 world, Typo Negative and Susie and the Banshees, Kiss Them For Me were guilty pleasures, right? So, right. Right. And I mean, if you weren't rocking the suburbs like Ben Folds or pumping corn out of your distorted Honda speakers back in the day. 
this episode is for those off hours when you were pumping How Am I Supposed to Live Without You by Michael Bolton. <laughs> oh, that, that's all you, buddy. That's yeah, that's yeah. all you. <laughs> Michael Michael Bolton was strictly reserved for car rides with mom. But I, I, it's, also, it's also from parental influences, you know, like, like Fleetwood Mac. I would probably never have understood Fleetwood Mac as much as if, if it wasn't for my mom blasting that as well. Mine, mine is Bob Seger. Nice. <laughs> So I don't know. I I have various, you know, guilty pleasures. I don't know if you want to kick it off cuz I mean, you kind of threw one in the in the can like you know, something that you wanted to talk about. You know, maybe maybe it was okay to like a certain band or like a certain song. <laughs> oh. Well, I got a I got a little bit of a list. So, ooh, where where do I want to start with this? So, I have an affinity and I don't really advertise this, although if you ask my wife, she, she might say that I'm obsessed with them. I have an affinity for your 90s jingle, slacker, pop, rock. And I love the Gin Blossoms. Now, I don't advertise that I love the Gin Blossoms. But in the quiet moments when I'm alone or sometimes just driving around in the car, I will throw on New Miserable Experience because it, it, it's like heavy hitter after heavy hitter of these songs you know. And you don't want to like run out and tell anybody that like you're listening to the gin blossoms, but right. You got your, Hey, jealousy, follow you down till I hear it from you. And then my fate, my personal favorite gin blossom song is found out about you. It's got a sweet arpeggio riff and it's really like laid back and it's got a nice baseline. I remember I was working, uh, I was working at Legoland I was working in the warehouse we'd build pallets and and send them out to the stores and they let us listen to music while we were on our order pickers and, and i had because what better way to kill eight hours of mind-numbing work and i'm sure nate since he's still in that field might might agree with me here is you have like hours long playlists of for me i don't know about for him but for me it was all 90s alt rock and just stuff i listened to in high school and junior high and this guy that was he's early 40s when I was there, he probably had about five or 10 years on me. He's like, hey, man, I really like your playlist. He's like, you got the Jim Blossoms on there. I'm like, yeah, don't tell anybody. Right. Like, let's just let's just keep that between you and I, because I know it's going from like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Nirvana. And then, you know, hey, jealousy comes on and it's like, whoa. <laughs> You got this hard left turn and all of a sudden you're you're Mr. Sensitive Ponytail Man from Singles. <laughs> so the Jim Blossoms are a real guilty pleasure for me. That's yeah, that's, that's interesting. I I will back yours up with like a Toad the Wet's Rocket or something like that. Like where I, I found myself actually enjoying some of these like they weren't they weren't exactly nerdcore or anything back in the day like those were reserved for bands like um, they might be giants or something like that. Where they, you know, that's like real nerd core, like where they discuss nerdy things, but we're talking about like kind of like wimp core, <laughs> where it's sort of like you're not the, the old time grunge rock god, you're like sort of this hangback guy that just likes to sing a, a jaunty tune. So it's, <laughs> I often put you're like yeah, two I, steps I, above like bar band. Yeah, it's like I kind of equate uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket and Gin Blossoms and uh, I don't know. Um, boy wallflowers like later on like they they kind of all share the same space of like yeah we we sing a song or, or like semi-sonic <laughs> you know it's you got your fastballs you got your semi-sonic <laughs> one headlight by the wallflowers 
if it comes on, I will not turn it off. <laughs> I don't get what the song is about. I it's Cinderella, one headlight, you know, we'll we'll we can drive it home, whatever. Right. But it's a good song. <laughs> and again, for being really someone who's into lyrics, I don't get it. And maybe someone can explain it to me, but right. it's a good song. And oh, same same album. You've got uh what is it? Six Avenue Heartbreak. Heartache. I it's think. a good yeah, it's a good song. And it's like an ear the, to me, most of these are just earworms, right? You hear them and they get stuck, or you're like, Oh yeah, this is this is good. It's like it's like sonic candy. Right. Yeah, it just sort of like exists in your brain and you have to scratch that itch sometimes. Right. And some of these have just lived rent free for 25 and 30 years. Yeah. Well, so my my idea for this, too, before I say any of mine, it's like, you know, there's sort of like genres that weren't exactly like the coolest to listen to. I think that's why, you know, everything that was grunge, like if it wasn't grunge and if you listen to something else, then it was like uncool to listen to it. It was sort of like this back and forth thing. If you lived in like in an urban sort of setting, maybe you listen to like more R&B or like a Nana Cherry Buffalo Stance or something <laughs> like you just you just had something of a more like hip hop vibe about you that, you know, didn't exist maybe in the suburb. From the MTV generation, I learned a lot about electronic music after listening to Nine Inch Nails and stuff like that, especially. I got more into it and like all the other varieties of electronic music. And so my my giant overwhelming like umbrella to this entire thing, I was I will put that my guilty pleasure is electronic music because it's very much like listening to country music. Like people either love it or you absolutely are just like, eh, it exists like, you know, and like they never go to it. But I, I absolutely go to electronic music all the time. I listen to the prodigy all the time. I listen to, I just put on the orb for uh, myself the other night. I just listened to an entire album of theirs. So I know that it's not for everybody, but I really, it, it kind of angered me like going to these raves back in the day, like in about 2000 or so where you meet these people who are just in it for like the drugs and like the scene of it all. And it's not really about like the experimentation of the music or getting into like the nerdiness of electronic music. So that's actually my first like big guilty pleasure, I guess I could throw out there. And that's, that's sort of my, my first jumping off point. Right. And along those same lines, yours would, years would be like going to the electronic stuff in in my early 20s when i was a little more going out and doing stuff it's like well me and nate ran into the, some of the same danceateria dark and scary nights at goth clubs if dare you enjoy something that wasn't you know v and v nation or other x y and z you were you were the outcast amongst the group of outcasts <laughs> right and you would have to be pigeonholed like you can only like these three th you can only like these three things or this box of things and they they wanted to keep themselves in this little box and yeah was i wearing all black shirt did i have funny hair yeah but i'm driving down to san diego am i listening to dark and scary industrial goth rock no i might be listening to like prince yeah or <laughs> there was one night I think I left I got in my car and I'm like shoot the thrill by ACDC yeah <laughs> right you know get keeping yourself constrained in this self-imposed box and not 
part of the guilty pleasures is maybe you don't want people to like look at you cross-eyed like oh you like that yeah. and i think that's i think when i was thinking of like a show title in my mind that's what it was was you like that you know raised eyebrow like question mark mm-hmm. you know like yeah do i like jangly hooky slacker alt rock from the early 90s yeah right but like you know you mentioned country the other day i don't know why it happened i was driving home and and this is 90s i was driving home and this line from a song kind of crept into my brain and it was i got a ride in denver tomorrow night now for those of you that might not know that is a line from I'm Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old by Garth Brooks, which if you want to go real guilty pleasure, it's something you listen to in the car when you're by yourself and the windows are rolled up and you don't turn it up too loud unless you're on the freeway. Give me some Garth. And that <laughs> that is that is an ultimate guilty pleasure. It's not on my list, but I will listen to some Garth because he's got some good songs as a, the one we just mentioned. Right. And. To dovetail off of last week, after listening to the episode, Nate was mentioning uh, To Make You Feel My Love by Bob Dylan off of the Natural Born Killer soundtrack. The soundtrack for Hope Floats, starring America's sweetheart Sandra Bullock. There's a cover of To Make You Feel My Love by Garth Brooks, and it's it's a tearjerker. You know, it makes you feel things. It hits you, it hits you in that cavity in your chest where your heart might be. Yeah. And that's a super, super guilty pleasure. Uh, yeah, I've never gotten... I think it's just country music in general was never in my my world, my environment. So I don't really know how to take it. And every time I do hear it, it sort of sounds the same, which I guess would equate to a lot of electronic music. I mean, when I when I got into DJing, like um, I got a real deep love of it around 2015 or so, and I started listening to like different varieties or genres and stuff, and, and what the newest genre is, and um, you know, I kept up exactly what's going on with it. But it's a lot like a lot, a lot of other genres, like you have your emo rap and and different things that. It doesn't make that much sense to me, but like if you listen to enough of it, you're going to get your own little following, and that's what what makes sense, I guess, is that you know then then that group gets splintered off, and then they make their own type of club or or group or whatever, and I don't know. It's and then then whatever is outside of that club or group is uncool to listen to. Like back in the day when I was driving around the, in the caravan and I picked up um, Skinny Puppy Rabies album. I was I was real slow to 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 play that for you actually because I was like eh, I don't know if he's gonna in- get interested in this at all <laughs> and I mean because it was like it was produced by Al Jorgensen so it had like sort of a ministry sound but like we also sort of liked Nine Inch Nails so like maybe it was like in the same vein of that Wheelhouse. yeah but like but it still like sort of had its own weird um aesthetic that's like nine inch nails even didn't didn't dare go into even in the the more previous or the current albums when they get experimental it's like you know they they bit off of uh skinny puppy immediately like with um with down in it and everything like that but and that's fine but it's like you know something is always uh referenced by another thing and i i don't know i i really enjoyed some stuff that wasn't necessarily like the easiest to like share with even the two of us. Cause it, it was like, so outside the each, each person's like wheelhouse almost in a little bit in, in a ways. And to this day, I, I'll be honest, 
skinny puppy still doesn't grab me. No, and that's yeah. I mean, you have to like really dig to find the the ones that are catchy to you, and that's the problem is that like each song is so like its own thing, and you know maybe I think that's the reason why they only played like Warlock in um, Sabat, the the goth club we used to go to. They used to only play that because there was like only there was a certain kind of melody to it. You could actually get down and dance to it a little bit more than like other songs of theirs. So I, you know, it is to what quote it is. A, to quote American Bandstand, it has a good beat. You can dance to it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, have you got something to, to springboard off of that or another kind of guilty pleasure? Yeah, let's 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 keep with our jingle pop. Okay. And our, our slacker sensitive ponytail man. Yeah. And I don't like this band. I don't like its singer. But if you play Into My Arms by the Lemonheads, I will not turn it off. Neither will I turn off their cover of Mrs. Robinson. Like, it is so not like, it's just so sacred, you know, the Into My Arms song. And it's, it's like, you could see some guy sitting around a campfire with his acoustic guitar playing it. And there is an acoustic version, so it might have been recorded around a campfire. Hmm you know, try to impress some girl and it's, it's nothing like I would, I would be out and proud about, but yeah, if it comes on, I'll listen to it. And I'm like, yeah, this is really good, but I don't want anybody to know. (laughs) That might lose my reputation. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that much about Evan Dando and the, uh, and the Lemonheads. I've, uh, my ex was sort of into them, but I, it didn't really cross into my record collection at all or my song collection. I do have the the um, the one cover you were talking about, though. Mrs. Robinson? Yeah, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. Yeah. For a cover. It, it was kind of like, it sounded to me like one of those serviceable, serviceable bands that you would throw on a soundtrack to kind of fill it out. And to me, that was, I mean, that was like a majority of like the craft soundtrack was nothing more than the covers by bands like that. So I, I don't know. I just haven't done enough digging. Yeah. No, Into My Arms fits on like a threesome, a Reality Bites, Empire Records, and Jim Blossoms are on the Empire Records soundtrack. So it, it fits into that, that niche of like, oh, you Gen X kids in your, your flannels and, you'll probably like this. Yeah. And my, my first really encounter with Evan Dando was not through the lemon heads. It was listening to Henry Rollins talk about how much he hated Evan Dando and the lemon heads. And then he's like, I met Evan Dando and he's a really nice guy. <laughs> he plays that music. Like you're nice. And I'm a cool guy too. And women just go running at him. But as far as like the music goes, yeah, it's it's touchy feely with, you know, some jangly guitars and you got some acoustics and he's got long hair, but, you know, he's sensitive. Yeah, sort of like the uh, the main guy. What is this? We were talking about him in the singles. Matt Dillon. He's just misunderstood. Matt Dillon a little bit, but more if you're talking about that movie, it's it's Mr. Sensitive Ponytail Man. So more like that. Hmm. It's been honestly quite a while since I've seen the movie, but I, I, 
the only thing I could think about is Matt Dillon's eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> or or Eddie Vedder's a compliment for us is a compliment for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Through his pursed lips. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, so give me I, one of yours. Yeah. Um, so another one I put on at work the other week was um, when I was in high school, I'll say, I had friends that got into like anarchy based punk, anarcho punk. And, you know, we got crass, the Christ album and subhumans and dig Kennedy's and stuff was being floated around real, real gritty punk rock, real snobbery, real gatekeepery kind of punk rock. And, oh. um, but outside of that, like I, my love for punk went back to like around 94 when green days dookie came out. <laughs> Ooh. And I was like, I remember every word of this album. Like, it was such a fun time. It was a very Nirvana, let's have fun sort of time. And, you know, those guys were complete jokesters. They were like the the Beastie Boys with with instruments all the time. You know, even though Beastie Boys were were instrumentalists as well. You see that guy? He's a punk rocker. Oh, hey, hey look, that guy with the green hair, he's a punk rocker. Look, look, he's even telling everybody. <laughs> right. And so I, yeah, for some reason, Green Day Dookie, it, it sounded to me like, like, oh, should I be listening to this? It's so unpunk of me or, you know what I mean? Like at the time, but I mean, that's the problem with these guilty pleasures. It makes you feel uncool. There's like, there's a sense of shame that they sort of like washes over your body. Like, ugh, like, <laughs> like, I don't know if I really like this or, you know. Well, and you know, the thing, and you mentioned it, like the gatekeeping thing, it was, Oh, you say you like punk rock and some dude with a mohawk and a leather jacket goes, oh, what do you listen to? Like Green Day? That's not punk. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, maybe it's not your punk. It's not Jello Biafra and it's not what Steve Ignorant or it's not it's not D.I. It's not T.S.O.L. Whatever. But it's a it's a toe in the water. Yeah. Right. Like you get into Green Day, you're like, oh, I like songs with three chords that go kind of fast. What else is out there? Yeah. Like Green Day led me to like the Pistols and the Dead Kennedys. And then later on, I got more into other punk rock stuff. Like I like a lot of the, the horror punk, like your Misfits and early TSOL, stuff like that. So it you have your gatekeepers and then some you just. You, it's a it's a jumping off point right yeah. like green day was a jumping off point offspring is a jumping off point to okay they're from orange county and then from there you can be like oh who else is from orange county and you're like oh then you discover like the early 80s like east bay hardcore you know with old and i'm not talking ball and chain prison bound i'm talking about mommy's little monster social distortion and the angry samoans and stuff like that so no, I get the the guilty pleasure aspect of it. I mean, when I first started learning to play guitar, I had a binder and I had the entire album tablature of American Idiot. And I would play it start to finish. And that's how I learned to kind of keep up with faster songs and power chords. Mm -hmm. And but, you know, I don't want to like advertise it because it's Green Day and everybody knows American Idiot. And it's <laughs> just it's just there. But it's it's a good album. It even to, and, to Green Day fans like American Idiot is like miles away from say Kerplunk or even Dookie. It was like 
it's like there's a grown up, you know, hard living guy that has gone to create, you know. There's an acoustic guitar on this song. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like so out of left field. But um and right. I, what's it, what's interesting is that like the the punk that came out from them was not about politi- politics or anything else. It was more just like self-reflection, like talking about how crazy he feels and um, how awesome this girl is and how, you know, it's, it's very kind of like the lyricism is very base level, basic. like talking about their day. But it, it just was like a joy to listen to still. So that was like the kind of weird um transition that we would see later on with blink 182 and you know all the other pop punk bands not not including um freaking what's his name (laughs) machine gun kelly yeah yeah machine gun kelly okay so so i mean like we're not talking at all about you know that kind of pop punk but like it was still popular it was still mtv based punk but it was like subhumans wasn't on mtv or you know no like I remember MTV having Slayer. I remember MTV having uh, like Cannibal Corpse for like a second, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like a headbanger's ball type of situation. But I don't remember MTV ever dipping their toe into like anarcho punk or um, I mean, maybe like a Dead Kennedys, um, which they're not really anarcho punk, but they're just like they are what they are. Yeah. But no, you didn't. No, you didn't see that on MTV. You I mean for punk rock, they had Green Day. Yeah. They had the off. They had the offspring. They had. Oh geez, who else? Bad religion. I mean, bad. Yeah, maybe like a bad religion song on like their on their more like alternative, you know, like right. one hundred twenty one hundred twenty minutes, minutes. Or super rock type of super, super rock. We could do a whole <laughs> episode on on the absolute gem of a show that super rock was. Yeah, super rock was great because for one, Kennedy wasn't on it. <laughs> Oh, how the mighty alternative nation has fallen. <laughs> we see you on Fox News, Kennedy. Yeah. <sighs> to think you and Trent Reznor used to be homies. <laughs> and business partners only. It's, yeah. Yeah, but no, there wasn't a lot of a lot of punk stuff on MTV. No. I mean, not that I remember. I mean, it was Offspring. It was Green Day. I mean, not even like Pennywise. And I mean, I don't know how many high school sport. Well, you school didn't really have sports but you know broham was huge in yeah. high school sports <laughs> i mean i've, I've seen that it, it's funny with with punk and like our private schooling and stuff like i would see these um stickers and like brands around but like i never really understood what they sang or whatever like no effects or um pennywise screeching weasel all those like kind of brands like that they made like a little icon for themselves but i never really listened to them as much as i did definitely with like green day or any of those same like i was oh i remember being in high school and going to music trader and flipping through the cds and seeing an album called smart alex in font from clockwork orange with a guy with makeup on the cover, and I went, what the hell is this? And it was by a band called The Addicts. And I'm like, mm-hmm. right, well, whatever. And flash forward, I want to say 13 years later, I saw something like, oh, The Addicts are playing the House of Blues in Anaheim. And I'm like, I've never really listened to them. I'll give them a shot. Like, you know, what are they all about? And I mean, they're they're punk rock. They're from, you know, late 70s Ipswich over in England. And they have these super catchy songs, big anthemic choruses. 
they have an icon because you'll see it so many places. Like you see a punk croc kid, more than likely you'll see an addicts patch and with the makeup and the bowler hat. And I have an addicts button on my computer bag that I take to work with me every day. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to carry that on, but yeah, you didn't see that on MTV. No. And, and these, and these songs are super catchy. Well, I think part of it too, is like being the anti establishment type of vibe. I mean, that was all about like, well, what MTV, like they don't, they don't speak for me type of thing. But I mean, but you ask any one of them, I mean, if they really wanted to jumpstart their career, they would go to MTV in a heartbeat because it's like super exposure. Like why not? But yeah, I don't know. That was, that's just where I was coming from with green day, I guess. It it felt like sort of oil and water a little bit in the, in the punk world. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to rip a bandaid off and go with a big one. And Listeners, please don't judge, okay? Like I said, a good song is a good song, and if it's catchy. So I'm going to go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off one. This is a one-two punch, and this is a little band. I believe they were out of Florida, and that is Limp Biscuit. Yeah! And <laughs> my my guilty pleasures when listening to the Bizkit are, one, their cover of Faith, which I remember hearing my senior year of high school, because they had the first track they did a video for i can't remember what it was called it was on three dollar bill y'all or something and hearing it and going this is a, this is stupid it sounds terrible right it's like crunchy guitar and like a you know dj noise but then then they dropped this this cover of george michael's faith and i had to stop there and i went huh that's that's pretty good now here's the caveat with that song though and i'm guilty of this in quite a few songs it's really good and then the last minute kicks in and i gotta turn it off oh when when he just like goes full force like right when it when he when the chorus stops and it's just fred durst going like get the f up and then it's like like okay great skip right i do that (laughs) with a lot of songs uh one of my favorites to do that with is cemetery gates by pantera oh really after the second chorus, and I know the just the the Dimebag Daryl pinch harmonics and Phil Ensomno like squealing are coming up. I'm like, <laughs> next? The hair metal Phil Ensomno? Right. And even to super classic songs, one of my favorites to do that with is Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Like the last minute of that song, I'm just like, this is next. <laughs> but yeah, so Faith by Lip Biscuit. I mean, I love it. I don't want to love it. I don't want anyone to catch me listening to it. Although I did play it last night and both me and Mrs. Bob were sitting at the table, putting a puzzle together and singing along. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's just one of those things. Like you don't want to tell people that there's a limp biscuit song that you like, <laughs> let alone two. Right. So let's, let's double dip into the biscuit fountain. And sure. this next track off their 1999 release significant other their more mature album right before before it got all funny haha chocolate starfish yeah and this is track five on the cd which is rearranged Hmm. and boy i i cannot tell you the amount of times i listened to this song i i actually bought the cd which fun fact this is in the the heady days of do you remember enhanced cds yeah right so if you put the cd in your computer 
it had like a video or something on it, you know, and of course this is like 1999 quality. So it's the size of like a postage stamp. Yeah. And the enhanced CD had like the guy, it was a time-lapse of the guy painting the mural. That's the cover of the album, Mm. you know, but this track, maybe Nate remembers jamming this on in the, in the animal (laughs) driving around the mean streets of Escondido, probably, (laughs) probably to target or the mall. And, you know, it's funny is the song is all about like Fred Durst's relationship. I mean, this whole album is pretty much about like some girl that scorned the mighty Fred Durst. And how dare you do that right. to, to such a gentleman? Should I be feeling bad? No. Should I be feeling good? No. It's kind of sad. I'm the laughing stock of the neighborhood. That's when the hat, the cap went backwards. <laughs> That's right. And. I've tried to listen to it and I'm like, yeah, I feel this song. Now, realistically, I'm driving around listening to this song. I'm 17, 18. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm really feeling what Fred Durst is laying down here, you know, all about <laughs> having his heart broken and finding out all this stuff about someone you were with later. And I look at it now and I'm like, you know, Slappy, you didn't have a girlfriend at that point. Um, <laughs> you never had one up until that point. It would be a few years before you actually did, but somehow you were identifying with that, you know, especially towards the end, (laughs) you know, when it gets all rocky at the end and, you know, he drops a few F-bombs and I'm like, yeah, Fred Durst, you tell her, (laughs) you know, like I'm in the car in my, my modest suburban sedan, you know, feeling, feeling as a jilted lover does and really hadn't had anything close to that but you know fred durst opening his heart to the world i was really touched by so those are i mean those are some of my penultimate guilty pleasures is this back-to-back you know two for tuesday biscuit fest nice yeah i'll I'll say with when it comes to limp biscuit i had to do a little bit of research on these different bands that were getting flack online i was putting in you know googling what the most hated bands of the 90s were and and limp biscuit definitely was up there a number of times and i had to figure out like what what songs were there that i actually got into and faith was one of them because it was just out of left field it had its moment it wasn't their song so it was kind of it had its own little like remember this song kind of vibe and um and just recently, like they played it on whenever he was coming out with his dad vibes look online and they did like a, a stream of it and they started into the song, but it was so offbeat and like they, they realized that they screwed it up like halfway through that they just went into like another song. <laughs> so it was kind of a bummer to, that they, that they don't play that, you know, as often as they probably should. But, um, there are two other songs I remember of the time that was in together now, which was like a method Ooh, man method song. Man. Yeah, which was funny because it, it's not even really like a Limp Bizkit song. It's just like a Method Man song, really, with Fred Durst just letting loose, like doing his own verses or whatever. And then you have, um, there's another song that was actually on um, some fans of hip-hop at, were at my my first job, and they made like a mixtape, mix CD of stuff that they're listening to, and, and I was curious about it. I, I wanted them to make me one. So they made me one, and on there was a Limp Biscuit song that was an Urban Assault Vehicle remix of Rollin', 
which which featured method man red man and dmx <laughs> what you really want right DMX. and and it was hilarious because it starts off with with method with fred durst just screaming like get to the get to the effing track and like just really like angry and uh and so it, like for whatever reason because he's got like this aggro sensibility like you know everybody's aggressive and everybody's got to like let loose which he did later on in 1999's woodstock of course and um, yes and which, we uh, all, you know sidebar we, to that there's a if any of you out there have hbo max there's a fascinating uh, documentary on woodstock 99 it's really interesting and you see a lot of the sordid details of what happened and it's unpleasant and i mean i would have to add the caveat yes i listened to limp biscuit did i know what he did at that show no did i know what happened at that show no right so uh, you know, I, I was i was somewhat clued in they would do this uh like mtv news uh, kind of assignments from you know the scene type of thing like they would kind of check in with woodstock 99 to see like how the things are going and like i think corn was on the bill as well i think there was um some other huge names that were chili peppers metallica peppers and like any anybody and everybody that could like rile up an audience and like cause people to just let loose with you know reckless abandon were pretty much on that bill and i guess limp biscuit was like the was the all-time <laughs> instigator instigator of that whole like fires and and assaults and all this other good stuff that happened to, to you know uh, since we're since we are way down this rabbit hole yeah i feel that i would be remiss if i did not mention nookie <laughs> <laughs> along with break stuff nice as 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 uh as like as more guilty pleasures right because it's just one of them days where you don't want to wake up everybody sucks <laughs> the poet laureate and fred durst oh yes yes it's it's up there with like chaucer and gates and <laughs> you know maybe a little c.s lewis right so yeah there's 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 mine with 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 limp biscuit and please no one no one judge me i I, tr- I try to keep an open mind. Nothing but judgment to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Um, I'm going to choose a random one because I I did so many uh, picks of different bands that I just I don't know. I remember that they're I know that they're hated, but I know that they're also have like decent songs out there about them. And I don't know. One of the big all time ones. I'll just say that I couldn't I couldn't picture it on a hated list at all. Was Stone Temple Pilots. Um, now people probably dislike Stone Temple Pilots for different reasons. I I can only guess. I mean, the lyrics were sort of all over the place. We talked about that in the last episode. The um, the ability to understand what what Scott Weiland was trying to get at with his his singing um, is a little bit derivative to some that some say that they're unworthy of love for their for the grunge movement. Like they didn't really do anything for the grunge movement but they were more like rock and they just happened to ride the curtails of the rest of the bands that were getting the the good play so i don't know like i said in the first episode like my first cd that i ever purchased on my own was core with sex type thing naked sunday creep and cracker man but those were like four sort of highlighted songs wicked wicked garden Wicked Garden is fine too. Like I'll I'll throw the entire CD on and just have fun with it. Um, but then, 
like actually recently i found out that purple is more of like a balanced album than core um they have purples purple's great yeah they have vaseline of course which is fine for like the nostalgia heads because that was like their lead single for mtv and it was like a short song so whatever but i love lounge fly like of course that's where you get your fox news uh reversed mtv news riff <laughs> oh, did i say fox news i meant, I meant yes MTV news. mtv news a little riff that they, they used um then you have silver gun superman which is a great song big empty which was on the crow soundtrack unglued was a great song moderation <laughs> is whatever um kitchenware and candy bars rounds out the, the whole album which is like a really cool little like acoustic song at the very end which was all vibey and stuff but i mean wait 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 did you just talk about purple and not mention interstate love song it, it was on there but i think i i got a little burnt out just because of the amount that was played on mtv that's just my yeah. person, that's my personal See, that's that's one of those songs that i feel is just not long enough yeah some songs are too long some songs are not long enough and for me that's one of them that's just not long enough yeah i do remember the song but yeah all the all the credit in the world to the DeLeo brothers the the guitar and bass of the group um and the loyal drummer eric kretz i made a, a note for him <laughs> it's those three they stood by scott wyland's like wyland out <laughs> like <laughs> basically like whenever he would just go on a bender and leave the band and then come back like with his tail between his legs they were always there to make a new album with him so i don't know that's it, it's it has something to say with that whole group um you then, know, yeah. speaking of them there is a lot of chatter, at least maybe online, or I don't even know where I'm seeing it, but there's a lot of uh, praise coming from the follow-up to Purple, which is Tiny Music, Sonic Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. A lot of people are going back and rediscovering that record and finding out it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Like Core, if if you're pulling if you're pulling the STP albums from the 90s, which is what Core, Purple tiny music and i think number four was 99 that's the one with sour girl yeah right okay four would be the last one i would pick core would be three tiny music's two and then purple's purple's number one but tiny music actually has some really good songs but i mean core i get what you're saying is riding the coattails of grunge because he's got that like wannabe eddie vetter voice yeah, you had the dyed hair in the first video that they put out, the red the red hair. He had kind of yeah. like a little bit of an off vibe, like maybe they're punky, maybe they're not. I mean, they're all riding that idea of like Nirvana back in the day because, I mean, the Kurt Cobain used to come on with dyed hair and used to just mess with his look all the time. I think Scott Weiland even had like the giant giant glasses that were back in the day, like the U2 Bono glasses. Yep. Like the, he, he tried that out for a while as well. Then he did the the knit cap. Yeah, the knit cap. When I saw Some... them, when I saw them live, and I was uh, front, I was front and center in the in for them opening up for Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, I witnessed a newly sober, like I put that in air quotes, newly sober um, Scott Welland with with a sober beanie, like it said sober across the the forehead. <laughs> 
and I had to witness him take off his pants with like the, the American flag, like wrapped around him. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and my ex at the time, like, she was like, I think I just saw something I shouldn't have seen. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fine. Like, but you're front row. So that's what you asked for. Fun uh, side note, kids. If you're wearing a beanie that says it, you're probably not doing it right. Yeah. But... It's more of an aspiration than a, than a real out reality. Yeah. Yeah, I know. See, I forgot you got to see them. I always wanted to see them. They were, they were kind of taught like, you know, you, you have your your pantheon of people you want to see, people that you got to see. Like, uh, you know, those Facebook surveys go around. It's like, what concert do you really want to see? And I'm down to just one. Right, I want to see Springsteen because I'm a big Springsteen honk. Um, but we won't really talk about '90 Springsteen because. There's not a lot of it I like, but uh, yeah, I always wanted to see STP. I never got to see Pearl Jam. I don't know if I'd go see Pearl Jam now. They've got too many albums in between when I was really into them and kind of fell off the wagon. Never saw Soundgarden, but yeah, I always wanted to see STP because I like them. I think they, other than the the token Eddie Vedder wannabe voice, their guitar sound was good. It had a little bit of flange. I like the bass sound. You know, Kretz was a, a good drummer. Still is. I mean, I think they're touring now with a different singer. Then they had that weird Lincoln Park Chester Bennington phase, which no thank you. <laughs> There's another phenomenon I didn't understand, which is Lincoln Park. I yeah, okay. I'll I'll say that maybe for another guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no thank you. The my wounds will heal if I don't listen to Lincoln Park. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I mentioned that Vatican, uh, the tiny music for the Vatican gift shop was actually like my uh, my high school days sort of CD that they released. So they're filled with Big Bang Baby, tripping on a hole in my paper heart. That was good. I always lady kinda, pi- lady picture show. Yeah, lady picture show was fine. A little bit like lax for my taste, I guess. But that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's a jam. You put it on. You're like, all right, it's a Stone yeah. Temple Pilot song. I think like over time, like you look for certain things, especially in my, in my high school days, I was looking for certain things to fill out the songs I was into. And if, if the rock didn't have like, like 15 effects going at once, like it just wasn't enough for me. And I think that's the the fault of me listening to so much Nirvana. And, (laughs) and I was like, I was like, this doesn't like, you know, it's not crazy enough. It's not like Tourette's enough. It's not, (laughs) you know, um, this guitar has a clean tone and I don't like it. Yeah, like it, it just got to be sort of like, well, what else can I I listen to sort of thing? And I got like real ADHD with my my rock music back then and so I I skipped uh, over songs like that that are more like maybe maybe thoughtful. <laughs> um <laughs> and I went more for like the the butthole surfers type of uh, uh yeah, roundabout the, thing, like how many how many megaphones is this, is this user <laughs> this uh singer using? There, therein lies also one of the the differences of you and I. Yeah, I, I go way more for the introspective. You know, what is this saying about me, and how do I feel? <laughs> I mean, I I do have plenty of music like that, but like I was just listening to Michael Gira of Swans. He releases like a lot of solo stuff that's very like dour and almost like uh, Michael Cohen or what or Leonard Cohen, Leonard Cohen sort of vibe, like where it's like singing to himself at like a very low register, which isn't at all like swans. I don't know. That stuff is fine if you can find those songs, but like listening to an entire album, it, it gets a little like, 
all right, give me something else. Like, <laughs> like give me yeah. more than give me more than what I'm listening to here. Cause like, I love the crap out of Stevie wonder and that that would be my like one, like penultimate, you know, bucket list concert I would still go to. Um, but I love him because he's not always like singing that, that goopy, uh, 80s stuff. Like, you know, isn't she lovely or any of that stuff? I mean, he's like going off on like weird tangents and stuff of like inner visions, you know, there's there's weird panning and like it's a whole like experience no see you said stevie wonder and i'm like oh what's that 80s stevie wonder song and i went i'm like she's an easy lover i'm like no 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 uh, no that's somebody else with phil, phil collins, collins. That, yeah. that's philip bailey and phil collins right so what is the song i'm thinking of part-time lover oh yeah that i love song. part-time yeah. lover yeah part-time no <laughs> i believe when i fall in love from higher fidelity that is an amazing song yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that is on a mix album. It's 2022. So now when I want to make a mixtape for somebody, generally it's Mrs. Bob. I don't really make mixtapes for anybody else. I make a playlist on Apple Music and I just share it with her because, right. you know, <laughs> romance. Um, <laughs> or no, I'm not uh, thinking of happy birthday. I'm thinking if I just called to say I love you. Oh, yeah. No, that song's terrible. When they mentioned it in um, when Jack Black's like, do you even know your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sentimental, tacky crap. That's why not. Do we look like the kind of store that sells I just called to say I love you? Go to the mall. What's your problem? Do you even know your daughter? There's no way she likes that song. <laughs> <laughs> the Jesus and Mary chain took off where your precious Echo and the Bunnymen left off. Right. Uh, yeah, no, part-time lover. That was a song I was thinking of. That's a good song. <laughs> uh, all right, so I don't know which one of my other big ones I want to hit first. But uh, this was another one when we were talking about doing this idea. And what is something I listened to back in the day that I hadn't thrown on for many years and was like, I'm going to spin it, see if I can still get into it. So again, you know, me and Mrs. Bob sitting around putting a puzzle together and I put this on and you hear you hear some low vocals and then it builds and then it builds and then it builds and the singer yells. My name is Kid, Kid Rock. <laughs> and yes, I'm talking about Ba with the Ba by Kid Rock <laughs> off the Devil Without a Cause album. Nice. And I'm going to go further than just that song. I'm talking about half the album is mm. a guilty pleasure for me because you got your Ba with the Ba. You got your cowboy. You got your I am the bull god. <laughs> you have your slow sentimental ballad, Only God Knows Why. And then you have your touching love story, which is the black chick, white guy song that rounds off the album. And this is another one. I remember driving around with Nate in the in the early 90s Chevy Lumina (laughs) and just blaring the crap out of it because damn, but like. It's a weird thing with me, like I love anthemic choruses. You give me any song with a big chorus and I am there for it. Right. And Bawa to Ba just has that huge chorus. So I put it on last night and there's me and there's Mrs. Bob. <laughs> just just like you're either mouthing the words that, you know, or you're kind of mumbling the words you don't know. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know, as the kids say, this still slaps. <laughs> and look, this is before we all found out about how much of an a-hole Kid Rock is and where he stands on the political spectrum, which is quite opposite of myself. And just before he was really just a 
you knew he was a redneck, which I'm fine with. Um, but before all of his other unpleasantries came out of the woodwork. So, yeah, again, it's just catchy. Man, that cowboy song. <laughs> like, right? It, you don't want to like it, but you do. <laughs> and I remember being obsessed hearing cowboy on MTV, and it's got all those weird bleeps in it. Right. And I'm like, what's he saying? I got to buy the album to find out what he's saying. Like the red, and then you red buy, scratches. You, you buy the album and it's still bleeped out. So you got to do some digging. I mean, <laughs> this is the early days of the internet. You could kind yeah. of find out what he's saying. And I'm certainly not going to repeat it here. But yeah, that's a huge one for me is that Kid Rock album. Because yeah, I jammed a lot of Devil Without a Cause and slightly ashamed of it now, but slightly not. It was just the thing of the time, really. I mean, we they already had corn for a while, kind of creating that sort of rock that was a little bit groovy and like rap-ish. But then you had the full-on rap rock of Limp Bizkit coming out with their Kid Rock, which was like perfect timing because, like, I looked into Kid Rock's early stuff. It just sounds like a one-man Beastie Boy like kind of album, <laughs> where like him and like a yo yo and like yeah that that high top fade or whatever that Kid uh, from Kid and Play used to have. Yeah. He had like really tall hair <laughs> and you're like, boy, this guy's really going for it. And, but yeah, devil without a cause, I made a, a, a mention on my notes of, of that was actually more palatable that wrote on the popularity of, of those bands I just mentioned. It was well-produced. It was like a, kind of like a strange hodgepodge of swag raps, background singers and a, <laughs> and a Joe C feature. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Josie and the uh, oh the Marshall Trucker Band. <laughs> right, that was his band. It was the Marshall Trucker Band. Right, and uh, there was even an Eminem feature on the explosive version of the album, which I mean, I guess Detroit represent because that was like <laughs> where Kid Rock was out of. You but know what I, I think the, th- the thing is with Kid Rock that yeah. separates him from like a Corn or your Limp Biscuit mm-hmm. is you got West Borland and Head and Monkey from Corn. They're they're doing their seven string guitar stuff with the you know yeah kid rock kid rock takes two things you're familiar with right it's like that old reese's peanut butter cup commercial like one guy's eating a chocolate bar this girl's eating peanut butter out of a jar and they run into each other right and it's like you got your chocolate my peanut butter yeah and it's that two great tastes that taste great together is kid rock takes your your southern midwest southern rock heartland america rock and then mixes it with you know just generic hip hop stuff, like just rhyming. Right. Yeah. And for me, I'm not from the South. I'm from Southern California, mm-hmm. but I love me some Skinner and I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> and there's a lot of classic rock stuff I like, you know, and there's some country that I like, you know, 70s, 60s, and 70s country. So it's like chocolate, peanut butter. Like, yeah, he's rapping, but. <laughs> You know, it's he's got some like down homeness to it. And again, this is before we all found out about just what a canoe he is. A canoe. I'm not saying the word that goes in front of it. I, I like I like just shorting it though. It's kind of funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, love me some Skinner would be a great band name. Yeah, but it's got that. It's just got that flavor, right? It's two great tastes that taste great together. And again, again with the. Like Ba with the Boss just got that big sound. And you're right. It's produced really well. Like sonically, it sounds good. Sonically, it is pleasing to the ear. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of this stuff has going for it is the 
bands are terrible the songs are just whatever but to your ear they sound good yeah like i'll give devil without a cause that that first half or whatever you're talking about the past only because like the later stuff i mean like i don't care about him and cheryl crow i don't care about him and you know like his politics or whatever else i don't care that he dated pam anderson like i just you know that that one album is like fine enough for me i don't need to like worship everything he does no god no yeah i guess a pretty easy like guilty pleasure to admit like for me is just that i love i love me some early 90s r&b <laughs> <laughs> yes i, love I know i know you do I love everything about, I mean, not, not everything about, but like there, there is an era that was back then that was transitioning from say like a Janet Jackson, um, sort of what was the, uh, the first was nasty are a part of a rhythm nation. Sure. I mean, oh, okay. rhythm nation was like one of the first tapes I ever had. So I mean, Me that, that, no, that speaks yeah, a lot. I mean, the combination that's... of Belbiv DeVoe and <laughs> poison and, and rhythm nation, and and my Paula Abdul, like that was the trifecta of the first cassettes I ever really got, like off of one of those BMG um, Columbia House sort of clubs. So that was my that was my entrance to like music in general. So I mean, I loved that sort of their 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 era back then. Um, but you uh, had bands, you had bands like Color Me Bad entering in the circle. <laughs> you had you had some really kind of like cheese ball like you know groups tick tock that... you don't stop by the hot tick tock <laughs> you don't stop right i mean and it's it's things that you can remember about the bands that are like kind of fun to play around with but i don't sit there and go like oh i need to listen to color me bad right now <laughs> but there's I'm like just, there's... i'm just getting the me- mental picture of a young nate <laughs> rolling in the caravan with mom listening to like rush rush by paula abdul <laughs> which is a great video by the way it's a yeah. it's a takeoff of rebel without a cause oh yeah yeah or um what is it opposites of track with the uh, oh yes dj, uh, DJ something scat cat scat cat scat cat yeah that was, fun, a, that's that was a funny name if you think about it because scat <laughs> is another word for crap or poop <laughs> well so is the scat man <laughs> he doesn't go out there I'm a scat man. Uh, advertising that about himself. Hey man, don't don't let's not be bad talking scat man Carruthers here. He that did might voice be, a tra- that, yeah, that, no, voice that a might transformer. Be, yeah, that might be a guilty pleasure on its own on the scat man. Yeah, no, I mean, he's Hong Kong Fooey, number one super duck. The, the scat man is? Yeah, scat man Carruthers, yeah, he's Hong Kong Fooey. Is that the same guy as Scatman the I'm the scat man, bitty 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 bop, that guy? No, 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 no. No, oh. Scatman Carruthers was an actor. I know, but that's uh, a, that's who I have. Was, was, was no, my... you're. I know who you're thinking of. That Scatman. No, Scatman Carruthers was an actor. Who okay. Probably for people our age, they would be most familiar with him as Halloran in The Shining. Right. Right. He's, oh, he's gotcha, the guy. That, yeah. He did the. He's the guy that talks. Like... Uh huh. Yeah, um, I got you. He was also he was a voice of a Transformer in the Transformers movie. I can't think of which one he was, but yeah, that's Scatman Carruthers. Okay. Not 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 Scatman. <laughs> wasn't he on a wasn't he on a Sugar oh, Ray Scatman. song too? The what? Wasn't he on a Sugar Ray song too? Oh, probably. Wings fly. He was he was like one of those weird guys that just sort of like showed up everywhere. Spread your wings and fly. No, no, that's a that's a different guy. Oh. That's like the own that's like his own that was like who was in the group. 
Yeah, so I, I really love the R&B stylings of various groups out then. I, I picked out like three off the top of my head, which were Color Me Bad, um, Shanice with I Love Your Smile, and Jade's Don't Walk, Don't Walk Away. <laughs> that Shanice song, I, it still gets stuck in my head to this day. Yeah. But here's a, here's a fun 90s thing. <clears throat> Let's see if you remember. Do you remember when Shanice was on Family Matters? Mm-mm. Yes, she was on Family Matters. It was like one of those special guest star episodes, right? Okay. Because they used to do that on TGIF. Yeah. Yeah, she was on She was on an episode of Family Matters. Like, oh, it's Shanice. You hear all the canned like clapping and stuff. <laughs> Everybody give it up for I Love Your Smile. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing about like me and loving, I mean, I'll cover a good amount of these because they don't have much time, but I'll, I'll, I'll say that like a giant umbrella again for me was sort of like the R and B world with like, um, things like mint condition, like pretty brown eyes and like, (laughs) and and stuff like that, where it's just, you know, that, that world was sort of in my ears all the time, because I was mentioning to a friend the other day that like the radio stations that that I was picking up on my personal radio at home were the best ones were the ones that were picking up R&B. They're picking up like Quiet Storm, like the the love ballads like at night. And um, so that's where I, I got a lot of influence from and like who I who I listen to, I guess. You know, what's funny is when we're driving around with the kids, <clears throat> there's this playlist on Apple Music. It's called Party Music. And it's. Yeah it's not tied to any one decade right but it's got some songs that the kids really like it's what got me into dua lipa nice she's she's got some great songs (laughs) Uh, it's got you know just icona pop olivia rodrigo whatever it's like top 40 but every once in a while the playlist goes all the way back around Mm -hmm. and a little little jam called return of the mac comes on oh nice mark morrison which which if i remember was it you were re- you were into that, weren't you? Yeah. Okay. Since we're talking about '90s R&B, <laughs> I'm gonna. I want to bounce this one off of you. Were you into Johnny Gill? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sure I have some of his stuff on my computer, but I don't go back to it necessarily. Okay, I was just thinking about that. My mom got into like a real Johnny Gill phase, but you were into like Keith Sweat, weren't you? I mean, I knew of him. It's not like I bought any of his his stuff. But funny enough, Johnny Gill did a song with Shanice called Silent Prayer. Oh, yeah. that's going to have to get looked up later. That's the only Johnny Gill I have on my computer. Oh, okay. It's just a random, made me think about it. That's what your mom was into, though, Johnny Gill? Yeah, well, and <laughs> there's there's a couple playlists that we put on in the car. And there's like a 90s, there's like a 90s party music or something. And we'll be driving around and it's got all this like 90s R&B on it. And I'm like, I know some of it, but it just screams, Nate. (laughs) Like if you were riding in the car, like I know you would know all of the songs that are playing. Right. Because it's like Return of the Mac and anything that sounds like Return of the Mac. (laughs) Totally. With some some, like Quad City DJs thrown in there. and Nice. (laughs) I I loved the crap out of like H-Town knocking the boots. I had like... (laughs) A little bit of Jodeci in there. Little, <laughs> oh, Jodeci. Little Keith Sweat, little Luther Vandross. <laughs> oh, the Luther. Oh, Luther. 
it's man like with a, his it's own like hand. the list of that uh, Jamie Foxx sings about in um, what is that song called? Slow Jams or something like that? Maybe the uh, Kanye West produced song. She wants some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross, <laughs> a little Anita. <laughs> oh, you got me on that one. Yeah, you'll, you'll like you that are. song. It's a good song. <laughs> you got me. You got me on that one. It's got twist in it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm I, a... I, like any of that album. Like, I'll, I'll say this: like anything that had that fun early TLC energy, the the stuff that like had Lisa Left Eye. Who had, I honestly, I have a crush on Lisa Left Eye because of her like her cra- kind of like crazy bouncy energy, like. It's it's sort of fun, and I miss that about like the '90s, like where everything was sort of like this youth culture, like you know, like extreme. Yeah, and like she was just bouncing around like in her oversized overalls and <laughs> the, wearing the condom over the left eye and all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a trend that is coming back that I could do without, which is the overalls. Well, like everything in the, uh, I love everything about uh, what about your friends? The the video in that, that that whole that whole energy is like I, I miss that so much about you know everything after that early '90s stuff because I think I think grunge got a little too serious and I think even though it was like even though it was super casual anyway, it it still had a seriousness about it. But then when compared to something like TLC, jumping around in multicolored overalls. Right, like you had your serious grunge, you had your serious gangster rap, and then you had, okay, so again, this is another person, this this song is a guilty pleasure of mine, just since we're on the subject, and it made sure. me think about it. This is, again, we did not know the person or what they were about, but, I mean, Bump and Grind by R. <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> you know? Bump and Grind. My, my heart is telling me no, but my body, my body's telling me yes. Oh, but AJ nothing I... but a number, Bob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here's another one. Here's another one I just thought of. This is this is the one. Mrs. Bob really likes this song. Uh, is "Pony" by Genuine? Nice. I mean, that's just that's a guilty pleasure just because of the the wow You know, there's a recent um footage of him at a, a like a revival concert of his. And it was like showing a, a back and forth comparison of like how he used to be and now how he is now. And like it was showing him dancing like like now, <laughs> how he was supposed to be dancing back then. And it was sort of like a, a lowered expectations sort of <laughs> moment where you're like, oh, okay. Like everybody gets old after some time. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll submit another one and we're going to take a hard left turn away from, <laughs> from R&B. 90s R&B and your smooth jams. You know, one last thing about the 90s R&B is like you had grunge, which is like, you know, I have mom and dad issues or I have a drug problem or this, that and the other thing. You had gangster rap with living in living in the hood. And then you had, you know, what we're talking about with the 90s R&B. Look, those songs are only about one thing. All right. You, you, you knew it. That was the point of it. Like it's that's that's what they're there for. And you know what you were getting. Um. So my next guilty pleasure, and this is, uh, I feel like just saying it, the world's going to open up, swallow me up, is from a band I absolutely detest, hate, can't stand, think are awful, could go the rest of my life without hearing them again, but I know I will. And that is the Date Song by Sublime off their 40 Ounces of Freedom album. And again, I just went on a diatribe there. I hate Sublime. Cannot stand them. I don't understand what the big deal is. I think they're awful. 
um it's it's like the 90s version of jimmy buffett only worse because there's actually some really good jimmy buffett songs but this song it just it's again it comes back to that i'm real bad with catchy songs because i'll like them really easy and it's you know just that opening And it's got like a story to it. And I'm like, yeah, but, and it's just like, it's upbeat and it's, it's got horns. And again, I hate, I don't like ska, Um, but that is, that's, that's a guilty pleasure. I remember recording that song off 91 X one day and listening to it and enjoying it because I can't turn the radio off fast enough. If what I got or Santeria or any of their other awful songs come on. And that's the thing, too, is everyone I know, it, they're like Weezer. Everybody I know always liked Weezer, right? I hate Weezer. Can't stand Weezer. Everybody likes Sublime. And I see kids where I work, they're in Sublime shirts. Like, <laughs> hey, I know they're just wearing them to wear them. They don't really know any Sublime songs. But yeah, it's like you get around a group of people our age and you throw on like Santeria or What I Got. And I know all the words to those songs because they played them so much. Mm-hmm. But I hate them, but I like the date song because it's it's just got that riff to it. And it's kind of funny in a dark way. But anyway, that's that's one of my guilty pleasures. And that's a genuine guilty pleasure because I hate that band. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'll um if I can piggyback on yours, like I, I found the, the mention of Sublime in um in people talking about 311. <laughs> And it's very similar to like how that that white reggae um, sort of thing is like sort of permeate permeates in like the uh, the culture of of the music back then. Mm-hmm. Like you had you had Pepper, um, slightly stupid, Incubus. Oh, oh. Um, who? I mean, see, like that's I guess maybe that's a maybe that's a, a, a guilty pleasure of mine to you is like Incubus. <laughs> like I was sitting there listening to an entire live set of theirs, and I'm like, I could dig this. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Wait, correct me if I'm wrong here, sir, but did you in fact not own the first 311 album? I did, yeah. I earned the 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 311 because I was so into the one song of theirs called Down that was like it was it was it was so similar to um I guess other songs of the time that just played around with like harmonics and stuff with like the the really like distorted sound and and it sounded almost like uh, Rage Against the Machine a little bit with like kind of rocking out, but then all of a sudden it would go into like a rap. So I gave down a pass for 311, but but everything after that, I, I looked into it and like all their all of their singles were like sort of had a reggae tinge to them. And I'm like, Ugh, this is not a good look. Well, like, you know, I'm, Amber is the color of her energy. I do. I do like the Amber too, like compared to like some of their other ones because like they get really reggae ish. Like uh, what's the one song come original. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> and I'm like, really God. come original. Like I didn't like them. I thought they were awful. And then they had to go and cover love song by the cure, which yeah. made me hate them even more. Yeah. But I am a, I am honestly a, a sublime fan because only, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak my case because basically during the time of the ska revival, you had all these dumb bands with like kind of play and play on the ska name, like Mephiscopheles. But yeah, the whole, the whole ska revival thing is like kind of cringe in, in my eyes just because of the dumb humor involved in it. But then you had 
sublime that didn't really do any humor like they just had like this punk sort of like playing with the 808s and stuff like that like this different sound they were kind of creative in my in my in my listing of it but whenever it comes down to that's if you put a whole album on and you listen over several times um if you're just listening to them casually i can see how like they get a little jarring and and how you may not want to listen to them anymore but mm-hmm. yeah go ahead follow that one up <laughs> <laughs> we're like we're like in breaking <laughs> yeah let me see you do better than that yeah slap your cardboard down <laughs> I mean, I could go in everywhere, but like my honestly all-time favorite song of, the, of all time is "Everybody Plays a Fool" by Aaron Neville. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just playing. Which is a cover? Wait, no, is it? No, uh, maybe I'm thinking of "Tears of a Clown." Okay, go ahead. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just playing around. Um, I, I've I've picked some weird ones because I, I do like some weird music, but like I can remember not everybody and their mother getting down to Enigma. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and Enigma is very hard pill to swallow, as is Tori Amos, but I listen to a lot of like weird, you know, music to uh it's 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 uh, acquired taste as the kids say. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you and the Tori, I never understood that, but but it's like people getting down to Kate Bush right now because she has one song that's was huge and and strange and strange things. It's like, you know. Well, they they've they've moved on from Kate Bush. Have they? Again, this isn't '90s related. Yes, they've moved on from Kate Bush to now Master of Puppets. Oh right, I saw that uh, that TikTok of them duetting with Metallica. Actually, yeah, it's like. Okay, I get maybe not everybody knows Running Up the Hill by Kate Bush. I'm not a Kate Bush fan, but I knew that song from when I was a kid. Yeah. But I mean, come on. Who doesn't know Master of Puppets? My <laughs> kids know Master of Puppets. And the oldest one is 10. Well, but Kate like, Bush, Kate Bush is so it's a but she was like a harder pill to swallow thing. I I think Master of Puppets would have been back then. Yeah, she well, she's like she's like the lady Peter Gabriel. Yeah. There's actually a great um, documentary on her on YouTube somewhere. I don't know if they've taken it down yet, but there's like an hour long, like kind of retrospective and where she came from and everything. But, but that's totally like Tori Amos on itself, like kind of mixed up, like how they're just sort of doing their own thing. And I don't know, but aside from them, <laughs> I chose Enigma just because it, I think it's hilarious because they use the exact same like sample in every song where it's like, uh, it's Led Zeppelin's yeah. When, when the levee breaks. So that's, that's an overuse sample uh, that Enigma loves. And anytime they get a chance to use it, they'll throw it in the background with like way too much reverb. <laughs> and, um, but there's something about the albums themselves. They're like such a, like a vacation away from like, I don't know, regular music that they like just kind of throw on this like dream voice like stuff that normally i would not be into but like whenever you throw on one of those for like a trip i i, I had like a good long car ride ahead of me some days and i would throw on those and get down to like tracks like sadness and mia culpa and gravity of love like there's just these weird <laughs> yeah, it's, it's strange but it's very odd <laughs> an odd enjoyment <laughs> Oh my god. I'm just imagining you in like your Mustang listening to Enigma. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, it, none of it matches up. Like none of it Wow. Is... That's that's up there with me sitting oh, in my 
my black Kia with my stack of like post-punk CDs, but it's raining and I'm sitting in my car in a parking lot. I'm listening to Tapestry by Carol King. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got some weird, like I mean, it's, it's listening to music is, is sort of like going to therapy. <laughs> like you, yeah. you, you look, you flip through your CDs and all of a sudden you like find something that you haven't heard in a while. And then you're like, okay, that sounds right about now. And then you like listen, then you kind of reverse, like look at yourself in the mirror going like, what am I doing? Like, what am I listening to? Right. So right. I think that that's the weird world of like guilty pleasures. It's just sort of like, has you kind of second guessing sometimes your own, your own taste. And uh, yeah, and you're like, who am I? Right. <laughs> well, okay. I don't know if I could top Enigma as far as left field goes. <laughs> Although I did see the new Thor movie last night and they played some Enya, which I mm. recognize from the 90s. Also 90s related in that flick, other than them using a quarter of the Appetite for Destruction album as needle drops, <laughs> they played the big climactic section of November Rain during a pivotal scene. Oh my God. And I was like, whoa. So I'm going to I'm going to smash these two together because they are two 90s phenomena that I did not catch on to. But I still enjoy these songs as like, you know, I'll throw them on. They're on my one of my 90s playlists. One is I didn't get into ska. That wasn't my thing, mainly because a lot of it's too happy for me. And that is Sellout by Real Big Fish. No, <laughs> I still know every word to the song. And I like it. It's catchy as 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 all oh, get out, like yeah. super catchy. You know, it's that. And it just gets stuck in your brain. Right. So I'm going to smash that one with another 90s phenomenon that came showed up passed me by that i wanted no part of it which is you and me and the bottle makes three tonight by big bad voodoo daddy because why not (laughs) right i didn't get into swing i didn't own the swing clothes i didn't want to go swing dancing again it's too happy for me you know i didn't want to throw some girl in the air or like dress up in my zoot suit saying 23 skidoo and thinking that i just got home from ww2 right so that all passed me by, but for some reason, I really latched on to this Big Bad Voodoo Daddy song, so much so that I, I went to, I think, Sam Goody in the mall and bought the CD single. It's just, it, the, the two together, like, they're just these catchy songs, and again, it's, a, it's the sonic thing. They, they're produced well, they sound good, and they just kind of crawl into your brain, and they live there, and every once in a while, you and me and the bottle mix three tonight pops on, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good song. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody I'm listening to it, but it's a good song. Yeah, there was so a, I, there were a lot of bands that like entered in that time that were real similar. But Real Big Fish, they were like the main band or in basketball, weren't they? Not. Yes. Yeah. So they had yes, a very, yes, a very they comedic, were very comedic, very um, you know screen happy vibe. You know that like people could get into visually. You know, I mean, if you want to follow up to that song, you could always dip into "She's Got a Girlfriend Now." She says, guys, don't do anything for her. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only other real big fish song I know for some reason. I knew a guy in high school. uh, 
super, super into real big fish. Like they were his, here's a Rollins reference that you and I, only you and I will get his Guardo Camino, which means road guard. (laughs) But yeah, they were like real big fish was his nine inch nails. It was his cure. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, why, why, like, why? Again, you know, elitist music snob, you know, your band with the dancey horns is not singing songs like hurt. So obviously they're not very serious musicians and they're not very good songwriters. But it's sort of, it's sort of like that. That's like an internal voice sometimes, right? Like it's not like, I don't know too many people that were like outwardly, like, what are you doing listening to that? But I mean, oh, we, yeah. we do know people in life that are like that, <laughs> but that's just, uh, yes. because, that's just because our circle was filled with snobs. <laughs> I worked with a few of them. <laughs> So we actually did have like sort of a Jack Black experience in High Fidelity where it was like working with somebody like that that was like, why would you play that? Look, people, if you haven't seen High Fidelity, you should check it out. But so I, I full disclosure, I worked at a record store for you know, like a year and a half and High Fidelity had come out and I was I was heavier. I had longer hair. And at least once a week, I would somebody would come in. And would just look at me and they're like, have you seen High Fidelity? Yes. You remind me. I know. Thank you. Yes, Jack Black. But reality, like I was kind of a combination of the soft diminutive one and John Cusack and Jack Black because I was militant about my love for the Jesus and Mary chain. But, you know, had that soft. It's the new Bell and Sebastian. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure yeah, mixture of the three, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I never vocalized why is real big fish like your thing, but in my mind, it's like why, like yeah, they're they're gonna go. I think there's always bands that like kind of creep out of nowhere. I'll kind of th- wrap this up pretty quickly and just say that like my my last one that I thought would be impactful to me that like I even got a tattoo of like a some song lyrics around my mm-hmm. my wrist for them that was placebo. And I mean that was a huge band for me just because in high school it was like yeah their their songs really in like a lot of the soundtracks like Cruel Intentions and um and things like that but like they they had a very jarring voice you know they went on to influence other bands like silver sun pickups and um a little bit of like the smashing pumpkins vibe where if you don't like the the lead singer it's a big like problem <laughs> mm-hmm. because, because then you have to like listen to an entire cd of that band and like try to get into them and, and figure it out but i've never heard a more loud quiet, quiet loud band other than the pixies that sort of you know originated that that model or that structure in their songs but i mean they would just go from like way so distorted and crazy to like super quiet piano tracks and i don't know i i used to listen to like all their cds and i still keep on a track of them but they are very jarring and and very like polarizing but that was that would be i guess my final um guilty pleasure i guess you could say i'm i'm going to introduce one more cuz i think when we were talking yesterday, this kind of came up between the two of us and we'll lead into this is a this is a group I do not understand, which has a militant diehard fan base. Again, I don't understand. Right. <laughs> if if you besmirch this this group, 
you know, you're a heretic. People follow them all over the country. And before you guys try and guess, it's not fish. There's another one I don't understand, but whatever. <laughs> I, I introduce as a guilty pleasure a song that I actually really like by a group I don't understand nor like. And that is Crash by the Dave Matthews Band. Right. And it's a nice song. I think I, I, I probably remember it more for the video than anything. But it's a nice song. It's touchy-feely, although it's it has some undertones to it mm-hmm. right you know it gets a innuendo. little innuendo yeah a little double entendres it gets a little naughty right. it's a little naughty but you really got to peel the onion there to really find it but yeah i don't i don't understand the dave matthews thing at all his <laughs> his voice and the like it's not the violin i don't mind a violin but right i, I never like it's very remember hippie. that hippie jam bandy <clears throat> it is but you remember like like a year or two after crash came out you know it was like the don't drink the water yeah, song, yeah yeah right or uh what was their other big song it was like what would you say yeah that was from like their first <laughs> stuff yeah yeah and it's just like i don't get it and then this song comes on it's like all right it's not bad yeah, it's like mellow. But, it's it's more like rearranged for Limp Bizkit. It was very much more like a mellow <laughs> side of like their their style. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't have his Dave Matthews voice. It's not the "Don't Drink the Water" guy, and it's not uh, dance marching. Uh, what would you say? What would you do? Uh, but yeah, that was that for my final submission. That is one that if it comes on, I will absolutely listen to it. But I'm rolling the windows up and hoping no one catches me. <laughs> There's a few of theirs that I can I can dig. And I, and, uh, Crashing Me was definitely one of them. Crush is another one, which is like a slow jazz kind of feel to it and like throughout the entire thing. And also really enjoyed like Satellite, which was just sort of a, a thoughtful, like chill song because their, their usual uh, style was sort of like, I, I noted on here that <laughs> he usually has like a clown horn, clown horn voice. <laughs> Just like so, sort of honky, like where you're like, like uh, everything. Everything sounds like the adults and peanuts. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, wah, a little bit. Wah. Yeah, with like his mumbly Joe scatting and like his incoherent lyrics. Like I, I could do so much without like like in so much to say. He has like this oddball hippie shuffle music that's behind him, and I'm, I'm like, I can't deal with any of this right now. But I can deal with like the the chilled out kind of crash into me and crush and satellite. Maybe it's just a vibe that I was after that that maybe that's the only songs I could really get into, but that's that's what I came up with. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I can go on and on, and I think we could too. But this is sort of like our our rambly episode. We really just had fun. We we any any time we get a, a chance to talk about music and the opinions about it, like we always like to get together and share that. But. Um, I mean, just go ahead and make whatever kind of music you want. If you're a creator of music, to be honest, like that's the wrap up message for this episode, because you'll find that it doesn't matter. I mean, it just sometimes certain things are earworms and certain times other things are, you know, they don't match up that well. So, um, but for, you know, we're occasional music snobs that have varying interests and other genres and moods. So, you know, make whatever you want, really put something out into the world, but expect it to be judged. Yeah, break up break up the algorithm by the way. Like I mean cuz if anything it just screws up the uh the whole, you know, computer side of things where everything, you know, if you look at YouTube music which I'm a subscriber of and you plug in like one band, they're going to give you like 
a set of maybe 10 bands that are like in that little pool and that's about it so i mean it's kind of fun to to make your own playlist and kind of go off the the beaten path in a way throw on some gin blossoms in your in your grunge pack and <laughs> you know. make that hard make that hard left turn while apple music is playing you some remix off further down the spiral and then you hit next and it's you know jamaica say you will by jackson brown <laughs> right not to get too not to get too specific not that it ever happens on mine but there's some of three or three little pigs from green jello <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah i mean you never know but i mean that's maybe just my playlist but we hope you'd enjoy today's episode um bob do you have the <clears throat> socials for I- us I do, and I've actually learned how to put them in the show notes. So if you don't catch them while I'm reading them, go ahead and look into the show description with whatever media device or web browser you are listening to. So on Twitter, we are at boys, B-O-Y-Z, capital N, the 90s pod. Write us in at Gmail at boys with a Z, I-N, the 90s at Gmail. Instagram and Facebook are both boys with a Z in I N the nineties pod. So feel free like comment, smash that subscribe button. I think as the kids say, yes. And uh, I wanted to say a quick thank you to, to Al for, um, for, for pointing out the omission for uh, um, our last episode. He listened to our last episode and gave me uh, the he was like didn't the rolling stones definitely play in casino and i had to relook back and yes the rolling stones were like in three or four scenes <laughs> of that movie so i i i take back and that's a correction for myself um i actually have one as well so after the first episode was loosed onto the world mrs bob was listening to it and she pointed out to me after she finished that in fact the swing renaissance if you want to call it that was starting in around 1997 because her older sister who's got three or four years on us uh, went to her prom which was swing themed and that was like 1997 cool so there's there's some there's some corrections and you know you, you can't remember everything yeah which makes sense because I, I was about to put the swinger soundtrack on our list, like, but that's because that was so iconic. But, um, I mean, they came out around that time as well. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. Um, Al, by the way, he's on um, the Throwback Music Video Review podcast, which is an amazing podcast and really got us and got me into wanting to start our own podcast as well. So, thank you, Al. All right, Bob, that'll wrap things up here at the Boys of the Nineties Layer. Don't you go signing that paper tonight? But I know you can't work at fast food all your life. <laughs>